This episode of Life Behind Bars is brought to you by Lima Vatti Irish Whiskey. Welcome to another edition of Life Behind Bars. I'm Noah Rothbaum, the Daily Beast half full editor. Joining me as always is my colleague and co-host David Weindrich. How are you, Dave? Thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Particularly looking forward to today's episode. We get to talk about one of our favorite spirits, uh, single malt Irish whiskey, which uh, has such a amazing heritage and uh, real history that, that you know you and I you know love learning about and uh, certainly love uh, drinking it. So. <laughs> It's one of the things that always makes me thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. You know, uh, just uh, smooth, delightful whiskey made for drinking, made for uh, made for sitting around and talking and uh, and having another one. And we have a special guest today, Daryl McNally, founder of the new Irish whiskey brand, Lima Vatti. We're talking about his first release, which is a single ball. It should be great. We'll get Daryl on the line now. Well, welcome, Daryl. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, love to hear uh, more about what you're working on and a new brand. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks. Thanks for inviting me on, uh, guys. Yeah. So, Limavati. What what can I say? Limavati dates back to 1750. So it's one of these really old distilleries, and it's actually where I come from. Limavati is actually Irish for leap of the dog, which is a story of a Irish wolfhound jumping the river row uh, to actually warn its master about an enemy ambush <laughs> uh, to save sort of the, the clan O'Cahan, if you like, back in the day. So that's where, where Limavati comes from. Uh, and as I say, I've, I've lived there all my life. I was born uh, just outside uh, Limavati and into the family pub. So essentially, it, uh, pretty much straight out of my mother, pardon the pun, and uh, straight into the bar. So by the time I was two years old, I was born the most perfect pints of Guinness and knew the difference between brown spirits and clear spirits and, and all that good stuff. So it was no shock when I uh, told my dad after university that I was going to work at Bushmills and uh, uh, go into the drinks industry. Mm -hmm. The rest history. The Limavati, um, as I say, I've worked in whiskey for 23 years now, starting in Bushmills back in 1998. Um, and essentially, I left Bushmills after 17 years. Uh, then I went to build a distillery down in uh, Dublin for quintessential brands and launch the Dubliner, Dublin Liberties and the Dead Rabbit. But with uh, Limavati, it was always sort of tugging at the heartstrings, if you mm -hmm. like, because my family uh, actually owned Limavati Distillery back in 1880. When I started to do a bit of research, I was actually playing pool in my local bar with my brother and uh, we had a far out relative from the US who was tracing her family tree. And she goes, do you know that actually her family on, on my mum's side, McLaughlin's, actually owned Limavati Distillery back in 1880? So that sort of got my mind thinking, God, whiskey really does run in the veins here. You know, because I was a master <laughs> distiller and my, my brother was a distiller at Bushmills. I sort of started to look into it all and trace the family tree. And yeah, lo and behold, James McLaughlin, who owned Limavati Distillery back when Alfred Barnard was traveling through Ireland and writing about all the different distilleries. Mm -hmm. uh, he was actually the owner at that time. So I then was sort of hell-bent on getting the trademark and the name and, and resurrect and reclaim and revitalize and whatever way you want to look at it, the Limavati brand from essentially the distillery closing in 1912. That was it. So it was, it was almost as if the family were hunting me in my sleep 
because I was dreaming about Limavady. And, and, and another thing interestingly as well is that, you know, when I worked at Bushmills, you know, we always were looking at the, the first license to distill back in 1608. And it was given to the area known as the Route, uh, R-O-W-T-E. And the Route actually goes right across from Donegal into County Derry and over into County Antrim where Bushmills is based. And, you know, you could always say that, yeah, we knew that the license from 1608 was granted, you know, to Sir Thomas Phillips. Sir Thomas Phillips actually built Newtown Limavady back in the day. And I believe his daughter married into the Alexander family, which was the first family to build the distillery in Limavady back in 1750. So huge amount of history and heritage there, you know, and definitely one of the oldest distilleries, not saying the oldest or anything like that, but one of the you know, older ones, because uh, Kilbegan was 1757, Limavady was 1750. So, you know, a lot of history there. And then you have that nice link because as the crow flies, Ailey's only about uh, 15 miles away, which essentially is the most mm-hmm. concentrated supply of single malt, uh, you know, from a, from a Scottish perspective. So, so ask me, do I think that uh, the Irish rode the boat over to Ailey and taught the Scotch how to make single malt? Absolutely. I believe every bit of that. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> what remains of the uh, original Limavady distillery? Do any of the buildings still stand or any of that stuff? Yeah, apparently there was three different distilleries. There was one that was like a malt house that was uh, like more for beer. Mm-hmm. But there's um, there's a place up the Rumel Road, which uh, it's like an old warehouse where you can see the metal bars on, on the windows and the, the extra support you know, across the it's like little diamond type shaped support. You see it in a lot of old maturation warehouses, which just gives the floor that bit more support and uh, mm-hmm. sturdiness of, you know, to hold the weight. So there's that that building. One of the mills was is actually down by the River Row. It's it's completely uh, demolished now. So so that, that it's only really those, those those old buildings, like an old warehouse building, that, that remains. And it's interesting because my brother married into uh, the Dixon family from Limavady, and it's actually uh, my, my brother's father-in-law's brother owns the land that that's on. So, uh, so we could we could resurrect that. You're going to have some family discussions, in other words. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Just don't tell them that we're looking to build a distillery on it, sort of thing. <laughs> Assume uh, here, here's a kind of a weird question, but you're in kind of a great position. You have this brand with this this very old tradition, and you've got a chance to uh, sort of uh, resurrect it anew and 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 restart the 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 tradition and restart the distillery distillery and everything. What, what kind of stills uh, would you ideally put in there? I mean, how would you shape them? What would they look like? Um, well, I, like I say, uh, I was one of three master distillers in Ireland, uh, you know, with Bushmills being very much the, you know, single malt uh, mm-hmm. aspect of, of all Ireland. Then you had Middleton down, you know, down south, which is more the pot still type style. Um, and then you had Cooley Distillery then, I think that was, bought in 1987 or converted in 1987 so essentially i'm a maltster or a malt uh enthusiast through and through so uh you know definitely limavari it was actually stated in a paper clipping in 1815 uh it was actually uh, mentioned along with jameson as being limavari single malt so you know it's come back to that history of of, of single malt in that area mm-hmm. so definitely what i'd be doing is triple distilled single malt and then I'd be shipping the stills to get a you know nice sort of like fruity type flavor from it, uh, you know. So again, uh, the distillery that I designed and built in Dublin uh, creates a you know really 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 good single malt spirit. So it would be very much along those lines to try and uh, you know create 
into a similar flavor profile from from back in the day. I'm always glad to find a triple distilling fan. Uh, I think you know yeah. the triple distilled Irish whiskey is one of the the most beautiful session drinks in the face of the earth. And uh, uh, the old Bushmills that you used to make is is uh, always been one of my favorites. Such yeah. a absolute delight to drink and uh, smooth and, and soft and light and uh, floral. The single malt as well is good for, you know, from a mixologist point of view as well, that, you know, you have a bit of depth and character there. It's not too light mm-hmm. as well. It comes through and everything, which, you know, which is important too, especially, you know, for the U.S. consumer as well, you know, from a cocktail perspective. True. It's light, but it's persistent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that your, the, the Lima Vati single malt that, that you just released, it's, it's finished in a, you know, in, a, in barrels of hell PX Sherry, right? Like, Correct. I don't know of any other... Irish whiskey that like that's their kind of standard finish like what made you want to use a, a sherry barrel finish yeah well I I always liked you know what the PX brought to it because you have the Limavati is all four four and a half years in first fill bourbon you know so it's got a, a real good hit of bourbon day one uh you know so you have the vanilla you have the spice you have you know all those lovely flavors coming from you know the bourbon b1s but I, I just like then you know because it's only a you know four and a half five year old what the PX does is actually balances it so uh, well, you know, with a bit of sweetness, dried fruits, dark fruits, dark chocolate, and it makes it taste a hell of a lot older than what it actually is. Uh, you know, from a super premium point of view as well, it hasn't really been done, you know, with younger malts. You know, PX would have been very much, you know, 10 years uh, and older. But I always liked playing with PX when I worked the Bushmills and I love the flavor profiles coming from it. And I just felt that. You know, the, the, the world was ready for a super premium sort of mid-age, if you like, non-age statement mm-hmm. that's finished in a, in, in a cask and recast, you know, so you're, you're, you're ticking the box from a smoothness point of view. And hopefully there's a bottle on its way to you guys to let, to let you have a taste and maybe you've got more oh, yeah. ready, if not, we'll organize that. <laughs> you know, so you get that. I had a taste and I thought it was good. a very lovely whiskey. I have a, I have a, I have a <laughs> glass good, right good. here, so uh, I will. <laughs> good, good, good. Just in case, just in <laughs> case, for reference. <laughs> so you get with it. You get what I mean, even like on the cheek here, you know, each cheek, it sort of sits there. You've got the spiciness and then you have that lovely balanced fruit. It's, it's more if you want to go back for another step quite quickly again, which which is great. Can you walk us through sort of where you are with the distillery now? Like plans are to to rebuild, I guess, a modern distillery there in, in Lima Valley or? Yeah, sure. So we, we actually, we have a farm. We have a 70 acre farm, which is about six, seven miles outside of Lima Valley. What What I wanted to do there, we went for planning permission to, convert uh you know old farm buildings into essentially what will be, become Limavari distillery now nothing nothing ever goes quickly in ireland as you can kind of can appreciate so it's sort of five years in in the in, in the making in the sense that you're dealing with planning and you know getting a distillery passed and an area about sand and natural beauty isn't isn't very easy but we're we're getting there we've just actually submitted uh last week for full planning permission we've had serious uh dialogue with you know, local politicians and, and local planners. Um, so that that I reckon will take, you know, maybe another year before we can you know, start to, to look about final designs and things like that. Plus, you know, what I want to do as well is I don't want to you know, spend a, you know, millions and millions of pounds building a distillery until we're, we're sure the brand, you know, we can get the brand seated and market and you know, everybody likes it. It has to justify itself as well because you know, there's a lot of distilleries in Ireland been built where you know, people entrepreneurs will build a distillery but they haven't really launched their brand and they maybe don't have the distribution that you need you know to make something uh, a success so um i've been i've been uh, i've been in this town before as a 
the guy would say, so I want to make sure that Limavady gets up and running and you know hits a certain threshold, case sales, to justify the distillery they have been built rather than doing it the other way around, which, you know, just wouldn't be wouldn't be uh, economical. Plus, you know, uh, our partners in Whistlepig, you know, they're very much, uh, you know, of the opinion as well that, you know, we'll build a distillery when the time is right. In the meantime, I'm able to source some really, really good liquid and, as I say, do my own finish with the PX and, uh, you know, make that brand, that Lima Valley brand, you know, the taste profile that I'm looking for. But as I say, in the meantime, I'll just keep uh, plugging away with the planners, which all these things take time. And get the design and all of the distillery, which I'm working on at the minute, uh, you know, in place. And uh, yeah, when when the time's right, dig the sword. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Dave and I have, uh, you know, on some recent episodes, talked to some people building brands, and you know, I know in American whiskey, you know, the supply is getting very tight for for quality whiskey that that has some good age on it you know and i imagine in in ireland the market's also tightening up for buying whiskey like has it been harder to to source whiskey than than before or is it you know still fairly doable no it's still still fairly doable um as i say i've i've been in the business that long and have you know loads of relationships that that helps uh, that certainly helps (laughs) (laughs) that's essential (laughs) absolutely and then as i say we uh we in partnership with whistle pig uh bought a a large uh, quantity of whiskey there so we have it maturing away in the background so you know supply for the next two or three years is 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 covered and as i say we hope you know to analyze we we only really launched there 12th of august in the u.s so we're we're going to take Mm -hmm. from from now into the end of the year to see what sort of momentum we get in sales and you know then set our plans in for the next sort of three five years which you know which will, will incorporate building the distillery and all that good stuff plus laying down more liquid so so yeah, we just we just monitor it uh, month to month and and, and uh, adjust accordingly. Do you have plans to uh, add other whiskeys to the line or? Absolutely, at at some stage, yes. Yeah. So in the meantime, we we wanted to launch Lavadi single malt. Uh, we wanted that you know that sort of price point of like fifty mm-hmm. bucks you know, or, or below you know, forty nine ninety nine. So you know to do a to do a cask finish on you know a liquid of four or five year old you know the prices you know it's amazing i think for you know for lima valley we're priced along mm-hmm. with piggyback from, from whistle pig you know so it's a it's it's opening up you know to a lot more consumers as well you know from a price point the liquid's good which 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 is good to hear from you guys uh, <laughs> you're enjoying it's it so that's, you know that's a plus and as i say the bottle's quite quite different as well because it's um uh, an old bottle that we found dating back to the 1800s with the blob head and uh, whatnot on it and the topography the writing from back in the day, Limavari decided in Boston, plus the leap of the dog, being in Limavari, obviously in Irish. We want, I wanted to stay true to that as well, with a little bit of bubble threat through it, so it, it makes it look old. Uh, yeah. And given sort of given Limavari the the, you know, the deserve the deserving history and heritage, and to bring that bottle back to life with a with a real cool, innovative little vinylog fitment on top, you know, so uh, so like it, it attracts people's eye, and then as I say, it's all right attracting people's eye to the look of the bottle but if they don't like the liquid inside it they're not going to buy the next bottle so uh, it's, it's good to hear that uh, you're enjoying the the, the taste of Limavari. very much looking forward to uh making uh some hot whiskeys when the temperature gets right uh because oh, yeah. uh, you know tasting that that's just a great hot whiskey whiskey <laughs> oh mean, yeah mm-hmm. it's got the body and and and, and just a, a little bit of the bite that you want and the the hot whiskey is of course like the original like hot toddy, but that's where like it's just whiskey in in hot water, right? Is that how you make yours, Dave? With a little bit of uh, I, I put a little sugar in it uh, and uh, a slice of lemon with some cloves in it. Uh, 
that's that's how I learned how to do it in in, in Dublin. So uh, uh, <laughs> and uh, and and in Belfast. So yeah. hopefully don't I'm mess with it. Right. it. Yeah. <laughs> My dad, having worked in the bar for years and obviously making lots of hot whiskeys, he he always uh, rinses out the glass first before more. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, so you know, so you're heating up the glass, and then he puts the water and then the sugar and everything in first, and then the whiskey at the very end. You know, so he, he would have uh, he would have chastised us if we had done it any other way. You know, that's the right way. Oh, that, that, sound, so. that sounds <laughs> like that sounds like the way. You know? I can't wait for it to get a little bit colder, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll start fixing them. Yeah, yeah. and then we tried. I, I've I've tried now just California this trip. Uh, we've tried uh, making a few um, Irish coffees as well with Limavati. So oh, yeah. Really works. Oh, no. And then, <laughs> and then I was uh, I was disgusted here. Uh, Blaine, who looks after uh, Limavati in, in California, he actually introduced me to iced Irish coffee. So it just didn't work. Us coming from Ireland, where it's always cold. Like, oh, <laughs> this, 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 this doesn't work. But but I, I can understand why they, they, they drank them in California. So that was an experience. So you can try that one. Yeah, now that's too. a... You know, before it gets cold. This is a New nice Orleans place. specialty also. So, uh, you know, we have a lot of hot towns in this, in this country. we got to do what we can. I don't think I've ever had it outside of New Orleans, which is kind of funny. Uh, it never occurred to me yeah. to, to make a, 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 a frozen Irish coffee, definitely in New Orleans, uh-huh. but an iced Irish coffee, I don't think I've ever actually had. But uh, maybe, Yeah, it's actually uh, on some of the menus uh, here in California. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was amazed, like, whoa. But, but I tried it. I tried it. Yeah, it was it was nice. <laughs> it's been amazing to see this sort of rebirth of Irish distilling over the last five, ten years. You know, just so many more brands and distilleries coming online. But it, it you know, I, I, up up north, there still isn't as many distillers. And, and also overall, just the number of people making single malt is still very small. So, uh, you know, what do you think? You know, in, in the future, we'll see like a, a new wave of, you know, Irish single malts, you know, uh, come online or or is that will it still be kind of a specialty? I can, I can honestly, I think a lot of people sort of jumped more on the pot still, you know, down, mm-hmm. down in sort of Southern Ireland. Um, as I say, the distillery I built in Dublin, Dublin Abreast Distillery, I, I, that's a triple distilled single malt and really, really good quality. Um, but as I say, and then you can source grain and pot still, you know, other distilleries if you wanted to blend it out. Um, but to me, you know, single malt is the Irish authentic way of, of making whiskey. It was only the, the taxes in the 1850s on malt that, that sort of changed you know, to malted to non-malted cereal to sort of make, make the uh, production process that little bit uh, less expensive, for want of a better word. You know, so I, I, I'm, I stay true to the malt, the triple distilled malt. and. Uh, even with the geography of where Limavati is, you know, it's almost the more north you go, the closer you are to Scotland and the more, mm-hmm. uh, you know, single malt type, uh, you know, process of making whiskey. So, so yeah, I'm going to stay true to the, the single malt and the uh, historic uh, traditional way of making, making Irish whiskey, in, in, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, for sure. I've got a, a actually a tradition question for you, and it's uh, it's mostly because uh, we've got you here, and you used to uh, you know look after bush, bush mills in such uh, fine fashion. And, uh, when I started drinking bush mills in the uh, late seventies, early eighties, when I was you know a late teen, and it was one of the things that you could drink uh, here in New York, uh, it always tasted just a little bit smoky, and I, I've mm-hmm. seen. Uh, 
a couple people saying that there used to be a little, just a like 5% of peated malt in, in Bushmills that they used to use that they don't use anymore. But I can't get any confirmation anywhere on that. And I'm just curious if you, if you know anything about that. Yeah, well, before my time, like I obviously, we were looked after the stocks. There was whiskey uh, made at Bushmills under different areas, like Crystal Malt, you know, the 1608 that they made. There was crystal yeah, malt yeah, in that yeah. where, where, you know, we crystallized. That was one of my favorite whiskeys of all time. And it oh was like God, totally, was totally underrated and like, you know, a real bargain. I, I don't remember what it sold for, but it, you know, now if it sold, it would be exponentially mm-hmm. more expensive than yeah. when it came out. But yeah, yeah. Funny, a few, a few different uh, off licenses here that I traveled in, in California actually had some 1608 in it. Wow! So, uh, I, I looked at I looked at my brother and went, mm, "We could buy that and bring that home. That would be a nice little investment." <laughs> I have a bottle in my collection that's unopened. I think so. Uh, saving uh, that, yeah, because that that it was actually like a nineteen nineteen ninety six, and it was bottled for the four hundredth mm-hmm. anniversary. So it was a twelve year old single malt, but then there was just a tiny amount of grain added to it to give it that sort of spicy, zesty mm. uh, sort of finish to it. But yeah, mm-hmm. that was a that was a great great whiskey. Uh, but yeah, back in the day, Bushmills would have made some, you know, peated and some crystal. It was all sort of part of research and development. But as I say, then they they, they moved very much to, you know, creating that smooth, you know, triple distilled, yeah, yeah. you know, no 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 peatiness. But uh, definitely at one point they did. But you just have you have to remember as well that they would have maybe contract manufactured as well back then for for different people, you know. So so definitely they they they, they had the opportunity to to do any style. Could have been putting it in the black bush around like 1980. Just could have been, could have been, yeah. Could have been, right. yeah. Okay, <laughs> I, I feel like maybe I'm not as crazy as I think. <laughs> Finally vindicated. I know. <laughs> you know, I always thought that was interesting. I, I know uh, Locks whiskey uh, in uh, in the Republic uses uh, just a tiny bit of peated malt. And, you know, it's yeah. not enough to call the whole thing a, a, a peated whiskey, but there's just a little hint of smoke. Yeah. And some of the yeah. Scott, like some of the single malls in the seventies, did the same thing too. So I, that doesn't surprise me what you're saying, Dave. Yeah, don't quote me on this, but I think as well, you know, there would have been different cast bought from Scotland as well, things from a maturation point of view. You know, so there could have been a little bit of spiciness coming from you know the cask as well. You know, uh, depending on where you sourced it from, or you know the availability of cask. Oh, that's true too. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even my. My my um, family McLaughlin's nickname is the Grogs, you know, and you know the term grogging, whereby you wash your barrels out with water before filling them. And I I believe what happened there is there's a lot of casks were probably sourced for for Limavady, whereby they came from Scotland. So in order to get you know some of that peatiness out, they would have washed the barrels out with water, and then refilled them from you know from a maturation point of view. Mm-hmm. So that's what my family nickname was, the Grogs. Which, uh, which, which which makes a lot of sense now uh, as, as we trace the history of Limavady. You were talking about history. You had referenced before Alfred Bernard, and, and obviously he wrote a famous book about where he visited all the distilleries in Ireland and Scotland right after the Phylluxera had destroyed all of the port and sherry and cognac brands and people all over Europe were, were thirsty and, and they looked to Scotland and Ireland. His book is very detailed. Technically, will you use like if you know his descriptions and to you know in helping you to like rebuild the Lima Valley Distillery? Oh no, absolutely. I think he, he quoted that uh, Minnie's uh, an exile, uh, you know, of Ireland joined or uh, enjoyed Lima Valley across the world, sort of thing. You know, so 
So, uh, you know, at that, to me, a lot of people would read that book and, and even the production, the, the quantity of gallons that Limavati was making, it wasn't any small distillery either. It was huge. I have a few pictures from, from old books of, of the size of Limavati too, and it was, it was huge. It was really, really was. And, my, and at the same time, Korean uh, whiskey, which is about 10 miles away from Limavati, there was an Edmund McLaughlin who was related to James McLaughlin. So again, okay. I think I think James McLaughlin was managing the Limavati distillery or owned the Limavati distillery, plus then his brother or cousin uh, McLaughlin actually was running Korean distillery, which, which is huge. And the more and more I delved into the history of it, it looked as if the McLaughlin family were like huge spirit merchants. So they would have supplied lots of the pubs and owned a lot of the pubs. Wow. So there was a, there was a serious amount of... Uh, Know, history to you know the whole process mm-hmm. and i suppose we had been geographical as well you know it, you probably had to be a spirit merchant in order to you know to, to distribute so you sort of owned the, the process or production unit but you also owned then the whole distribution uh you know from a from a close proximity so yeah you uh, own still the pubs. Getting, <laughs> we owned the pubs as well which was yeah there's a patrick mclaughlin and a, i think there's a john mclaughlin as well and they were all uh, seem to be related as well, but I've uh, I've a genealogist uh, tracing the family tree and trying to put a bit of history to it all. And then I believe as well, one of the McLaughlins actually sold up and came across to the US and was involved with Canadian Dry or something. I think. Mm. Uh, so again, okay. I'm tracing that whole link back to to you know, back to that as well. So huge steeped steeped in in history of the of the merchants, the spirit merchants. Yeah, well, a vertically integrated uh, yeah. <laughs> on every. <Yeah. laughs> and today, like a you know, with this first release of Lima Vati, is it now available across the U.S. or or just in select markets? Just in select markets. What we did is we we're launching in five markets now, five states: so California, Florida, Arizona, Colorado, and Washington on the West Coast. Uh, then we're we're planning now from sort of November on to do about another fifteen or sixteen states. In the first half of 2022, and then roll out hopefully to to sort of uh, nationwide, if you like, uh, in the second half of 2022. And then okay. I'm looking at obviously the UK, Ireland market, plus Germany, Russia, China, uh, and Australia. Trying to get it launched as well early, early sort of 2022, and that'll that'll keep us busy. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I think so. Uh, I apologise to the family now. <laughs> It'll keep you on the road. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for for joining us today. Always, any excuse to drink Irish single malt, I think, is uh, is a good one. So, uh, thank you it for indulging take us. Much of one either. <laughs> <laughs> not for us. Not for us. Yeah. It helps you be like it as well, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Come on back once uh, you know you've uh, you're, you're you're building your distillery. I'd love to hear more about it. No, I'd love to. Cheers. Dave and I encourage you to drink responsibly always.